Hello and welcome again to the Kinky Boys podcast. This month, Visible Restraint joins us again and we are talking about private play parties. Plan them, what's involved with them, how to get involved. Uh, yeah, but before we begin this topic, I must, of course, thank our daddy's favourite level patron. So that's Southern Suter, Hilary B, Ocknerb, Banjo Stewie, Adam F, Brian C, and Harry Hypnotist. Just know, you are Daddy's favourites. Now, with that, let's get on with the interview. Welcome back. Hi. Thank you. It's glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. You're always a treat to have on. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, you you approached me and basically with the idea of talking about sort of private play parties and i find the idea fascinating because i had never thought of that mm, mm. yeah no, actually i mean private play parties but also public ones i'm happy to talk about those as well because i produce a lot of those but cool. i've been having private play parties for most of my adult life so yeah yeah, yeah. so let's start it. with what's what is a private play party and how does it differ from a public one Cool. Good question. Let's actually, do you mind if we step, take a step further back than that? Let's talk about, is there a distinction? Do we want to make a distinction between a play party and a sex party? Maybe. Ooh, there are, there are, there are different considerations to be had between play parties and sex parties, hmm. play parties in a kink BDSM fetish sort of sense may or may not be sex focused. Whereas a sex party, obviously, may be kinky, but it's definitely sex-focused. So there's a, a little subtle difference there, but I've, I've hosted both, so I'm happy to talk about both. Yeah, so when you talk about sex and play parties, do you mean sort of purely penetrative sex? or Because, mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's, that's not really the way queer sex works, is it? We, I mean, in my life, in my life, hypnosis is sex, rope mm. is sex, impact is sex, fucking is sex, skull fucking is sex, talking about fucking is sex. I mean, it all is, you know, it all yeah. can be sex, but, but there's, but a sex party tends to be more of the, on the end of oral and anal penetration and wanking and fisting and that kind of thing more sort of genitals and holes being involved. Whereas whereas BDSM parties may or may not include holes. Oh yeah. And they usually do when I'm there, but like I have been to many a party where people bring their gear and spend it like in rubber and their leather, but don't actually have sex. They just heavily flirt with another and just do like a normal party shit, chatting in the kitchen. Uh, I mean, so when I'm talking about a play party, I'm talking about a party that is that usually involves bondage and impact play and stuff like that. So yeah. that that's that's what I'm talking about more than. And I think I think yeah, it's a step up or a step away from just being a social event. Right. It's it's more intense than that. And there's etiquette involved and we should talk about the etiquette involved. Oh, definitely. And there's there's a right way and a wrong way, maybe, to navigate um, consent and negotiation for pickup play. 
that's very dis different than what we would might what we might suggest for somebody arranging pickup play online on one of the apps for instance right oh yeah um, because or, or i mean for app. starters it's a lot smaller time frame it's right it could be someone you knew but can also be someone you've just met and negotiating with someone you just met play can be quite different yes should be different probably mm. right <clears throat> it doesn't have to be but it i'm mean, generally speaking it's going to be different yeah just because you have a different level of you have a different level of connection you have a different and hypno, hypnosis mm. language you have a different rapport right yeah. a different kind of rapport so the difference between public and private play parties, uh, public play parties are generally ticketed. It usually costs money to get in. Generally speaking, you can volunteer to get in. Um, there are a lot of events that have side play parties. IML has a side play party. MAL has a side play party. A lot of the big events have some kind of side play party. And, you know, there are also different organizations that have, that host or produce play parties. Uh, Chicago Hellfire Club comes yeah. to mind. Right? Yeah. Um, but also I, I produce most of my events, most of my public events at a space that's run by an organ, a nonprofit organization called the Paneros Foundation. And yeah, I produce events for them now. I used to I used to have an event called Cock Circus that mm -hmm. was at a place called the Center for Sex Positive Culture. I ran that for three years. We used to have there's a actually an unusual situation in Seattle. There's a a bathhouse called I won't even mention the name, but but the key feature of the bathhouse, which was that it had a large steam bath, it eventually rotted out, so they had to gut the entire center of the bathhouse. And now that's a great big open room and occasionally people throw, we threw a party called boiler room there for about three years that we would actually bring in gear. We brought in suspension scaffolding and all kinds of stuff once a month, just so people could have a place to play there. Now I know that there's an impact play party there once a month too. Now, so. Yeah. So when you're running it as a private event, so is it paid ticketed on the door? If if we're running it, if if what I'm calling a public play party is a ticketed event, and that is ticketed at the door. In the case of the the bathhouse, they levied an additional fee for the night if you wanted to if you wanted to get a wristband to get into that party. Cool. <clears throat> but a private event is very different. Some private events that I know of, the hosts will set out a donation jar to defray costs like lube and laundry and snacks and that kind of thing but most of the time that people don't do that they just yeah. it's just a big open party the party at my dungeon used to be called when we lived in seattle my pretty large private dungeon in our home was called uh, the tree fort and we used to have every quarter we'd have a party that started friday night and ended sunday night and um, the vetting process was pretty, pretty thorough, actually. So, which helped in terms of making sure that, that I wanted people to have the sense that 
yeah, they still had to do negotiation. They still had to get to know the person yeah. a little bit. They still had to have faith that nothing was going to go wrong. But it was a party of experienced players, right? Yeah. And then occasionally the experienced players would bring a new sub or a new dom into the mix, right? Yeah. But they would be responsible for they would be responsible for that person, that new person's sort of behavior in that yeah. event. Because I mean, this is the thing about throwing a private party is you in a way become responsible for the mix of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can talk uh, a little of my own experiences. Like the first ever play party I went to, I remember as it was being organized and I was being invited to it, the organizers actually said, so we have this person and this person who we know is also coming that you know. Are you comfortable being in a sexual space with them? Do you mind them being there? Should we not invite them? And I think that's very important to sort of, you have to put thought into getting the mix of people right. Mm-hmm. Just because, and this isn't to say it's like, if you're not invited, you know, you're a bad person. It's, you have to, it, it kind of works like a jigsaw. You have to kind of put together who you think would play well. Right. Yeah. And I've had that with for my own experience for two birthdays in a row. I rented out a private dungeon and basically this was for my birthday and each of the guests contributed little to the covering cost. We rented out for like six hours and yeah, when I was putting together, I had to really sit down and think, okay, this can't just be an open house. I have to actually think who would play, whose fetishes match up, whose temperament I think would go together well and build it that way. We were, so the, the party that we used to throw in our old dungeon, um, we would use our whole house. Mm-hmm. We had the dungeon space, which was pretty large, but we also had a, my office, my then office space. We had our living room. We had mm-hmm. no furniture in our living room. We set up suspension scaffolding there and a sling there. We had bodage stuff in our TV room. Our bed was set up with, in our bedroom was set up with, the the four trough uh, bed straps, right? So that people could do like sleep sack scenes and and that kind of thing, Um, Venus scenes on that. And so there was stuff, there was discrete spaces throughout the house Mm -hmm. set up so that there could be lots of different kinds of play. And that was always our intention. And we would have from, from, like I say, from Friday night until uh, Sunday night, we would typically have, at the minimum, about 80 people come through our house, eight to mm-hmm. zero people come through our house and wow. as many as 140 come through wow. our house. And it was a pretty, it was, we, we kept the focus on, we had food, but we kept the focus on, on play. The food was just to make sure that folks could, you know, refuel because, after, if you have the right kind of play, no, there's no right kind of play. But if you have, if you play hard, you're probably going to need to be refueled. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. So you need to have some kind of food. You need not just quick sugar, but also, you know, fruit and, and maybe some fruit. protein and, and that yeah, kind of good. thing. So we have a slow release carbs. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Also, like if I can interject, good aftercare supplies. Yeah. One of the we things had that. A, 
we had a wonderful aftercare space actually in our mm -hmm. in our play space so that was nice yeah it really helps to have a separate space for some of the ones i've been to we brought this was actually a while after it was popular but like a gamecube mm -hmm. and set it up and so we had a space like a room away from the dungeon where people could just sit eat play video games with each other a cuddle couch Right. And it came in quite handy. I remember uh, a friend of mine had spent a long time in the sling getting fisted. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, he after he came down and that adrenaline rush had gone, he started to get really cold. Right. So sort of, we made sure there was blankets, cuddling, warm drinks. Like, you right. know, this is in England. So, of course, there was a kettle and tea set. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my... Sorry. One of my favorite anecdotes from a big play party was someone brought crumpets and it was like 3 a.m. And the guy just left from the orgy just saying, look, I need a break. I'm going to put crumpets on and have some tea. And everyone in the room, like at 3 a.m., just turned around and was like, oh, God, I've just realized I'm really hungry and could go for a snack. Yeah. Shall right. we all just stop for tea and biscuits <laughs> at 3 a.m. in a big orgy in like a country yeah. house? That's brilliant. That's great. Yeah. I mean, people should definitely listen to their bodies, right? Mm -hmm. That's really important to, that's really important to play party. Handling yourself at a play party in a play party situation is to listen to your body and listen to your heart. You know, that's important too. you know, make yeah. sure that you're, that both are being well taken care of. Sure. The nice thing about the private play parties is that they, um, is that I have the opportunity to do some vetting, mm -hmm. right? So, so the folks who go, um, once you're, once, once you're on my list, you're on my list, right? And, and it's on the group. If I hear, if I hear bad reports about somebody who's on the list, right, then that needs to be taken care of. But those things are pretty rare, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When somebody didn't understand the rules that we had around um, alcohol and drug consumption, which is basically don't. Technically, the rule, it's a little vague, but I think people seem to understand it pretty well. The rule in our house is... If you can behave as though, if you feel and can behave as though you've had two beers over the course of a six hour night, right? Then you're in fine, that's a fine place. We, we are comfortable with that. If you seem like, if, the, if you seem any more inebriated than that, then we're going to ask you to leave. And we have had to ask one once we had to ask somebody to leave. They actually went out in, into our yard in their underwear, into our front yard in their underwear and was wailing in the middle of the night. And we had to bring them oh, back wow. in, sober them up, um, you know, yeah, get them settled down and then get them out of the house. And they came off the list. Yeah. I, I can imagine. I remember, uh, one of the first play party I was ever invited to, I remember there was an issue with a gentleman who got very territorial around mm. one of the other guests, <clears throat> basically starting to like always intervene when the other guest was talking to other people, 
trying to always like distract them away from any bigger play party. And it became very clear he wasn't like he was trying to like I don't want to like bogart this person in a way that made them feel pressured. Right. And of course the organizers had to take him to one side and just say like, this isn't how you behave. The, the, you know, you can't go around making sure one person isn't playing with other people. This, you know, this is a play party for everyone to play and you're not, you are actively disrupting things. And it doesn't sound like the person had consented to being no, possessed no. that way. Yeah. Yeah. We actually haven't had, we actually haven't had people who were bad actors. You know, we, we haven't had people and it's, I'm like, I say, I'm pretty careful about, about, about who gets on the list and the people who are on the list have been, mostly very good about making sure that any people they bring and we do encourage people to bring people oh. right because that keeps us seen in a community alive as new blood right they've been pretty good about about bringing in people who would fit the brief right who would oh. who would who would um be able to step up and bring the party that that we want them to bring there have been occasions, the, the worst I can say is that there have been people brought to the party who didn't add anything to the party, right? Yeah. But they didn't, they didn't subtract, nor did they subtract anything from the party other than space, right? Yeah, I think this is the thing. It's a lot about finding the people with the right chemistry together. Yeah. And again, it's important people realize it's not, it's not done in a mean go way saying... Oh, you're not entertaining enough. It's very much like this isn't a group of people where you people have the right chemistry. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe let's talk about this. Two things. There's two things that I'd like to make sure that we talk about today. One, uh-huh. one is let's talk about, about, and in fact, this month, actually, we're going to have our very first hypnosis. It's a ticketed hypnosis play party. Oh, wow. And it's a pansexual party and we've mm-hmm. sold about two thirds of the tickets that we had available, which is really good. And I think that it's the first hypnosis play party that we've seen in the Pacific Northwest in the United States. I'm not sure about that, but I'm, I'm almost sure nobody has, nobody has contradicted me yet, but we are going to be having my hypno kink enthusiast group, which is a Skillshare group mm-hmm. that we had happens every month is happening earlier that day. And we are specifically going to be talking about um, navigating consent and negotiation in a pickup situation, mm-hmm. specifically with hypnosis, which you can imagine there are a lot of things to consider there. Right? Oh yeah. But there are a lot of things to consider, even if, you know, you're going to be single tailed or, or bound or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of things to think about. Right. I want to talk about, so I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about etiquette once we get into the, once we get into the party, actually, before we get there, before we get to the party, before we get to the negotiation part, maybe we can talk just a little bit about why a play party, why, what are the advantages of a play party? I think the biggest good. one, the, the biggest one that I can think of actually is particularly 
public play parties, ticketed play parties, ticketed play parties inevitably have dungeon monitors, right? Yeah. They also, if people are willing to step up and invest in a party, invest in the price of a ticket in a party, most of those people are players, right? They've been playing for a while, right? Yeah. And so anybody going to a party like that, that is organized, that is well thought of. I mean, obviously do your due diligence and find out if it has the, have these people thrown parties before. Mm -hmm. What do people say about the parties and so on? But if you feel satisfied with the party's reputation, then you have so many eyes on you as a new person, particularly as a new sub, right? That yeah. actually in terms of first time play with somebody, I can't imagine a more safe situation for a first time sub than a play party situation. I know it sounds daunting and it even sounds counterintuitive, but it's actually a fairly safe space to do that in, to experiment and kink in. Most, most public play parties, most ticketed organized play parties have some kind of house safe word, right? Which safe words, uh, safe words aren't a magic they're, they're, yeah, they, yeah. they're not imbued with magic powers, but, but, but if, if the sub says the safe word and it, within earshot of a dungeon monitor or within earshot of, of somebody who might be nearby playing or doing something else, right. Then people are usually very, very good about, about swooping in and making sure that, mm -hmm. that, that all the correct protocols are taken in order to keep that sub safe. So, so play parties, particularly ticketed play parties are, I think, I think probably a really good bet for somebody who is new to the scene and, and a new submissive. And I know that from a, from a social anxiety standpoint, it's still a huge, huge um, barrier to entry because you're being pretty vulnerable around people you've never met before. And I get, I get why that's scary for a lot of people. Yeah. But the practical fact is, is that you've got a lot of people who are essentially emotionally disinterested, mm -hmm. who are watching everything, right? And who are making sure it's in their best interest that nobody get in too far, get in too deep. Nobody have a bad experience, right? Not mm -hmm. just because of their reputation, but also because of the legal and financial liability involved, right? Yeah. These people, these people are, these people have a big, big stake in making sure that nothing goes wrong at their party. And so they're going to make sure that nothing goes wrong at the party. So when I, when people ask me, when people, when, when I suggest one of the events I produce or one of the events that gets produced around town, because there's a few places that are doing events. I always suggest it to newbies because it's, it is actually counterintuitively. It is actually a very safe place for, for people it, to. It makes to sense play. because it, it, I think the crux of it is it's a smaller, more controlled environment. Right. If I go to a big club with a dark room or a playroom. I have no idea who's walking through the kind of caliber that person is. And obviously like I can chat to them beforehand and get to know them a bit, but a, a private play party has that extra layer of pre-vetting everyone. Right. right. But to keep, to keep, to make it clear, I'm talking about public play parties. I'm talking about ticketed play parties, large events, right? 
the thing about large events, the thing about large events that makes them safe is the fact that they have staff, Hmm. right? They have staff, they have trained staff whose sole job is to watch and make sure that that the subs are safe in that, in that space. And it is, it is a very safe place for, for new subs to play. Mm-hmm. I would say safer. I would say a little safer than a private play party just because the sub, there isn't that level of distant, disinterested, authoritative observation that happens at a public ticketed play party. Does that make sense? It does. Although I have to say, I kind of take the opposite view. I've always felt safer at more intimate gatherings, mostly because in a weird way for me, it's because I'm always surrounded by friends right? and just friends. And that to me gives a greater sense of safety than a sort of public venue. So let me, let me, let me post this. Let me pose this. What if you're new to a town? What if you don't know anybody? What if you're a new sub and you want to try something out, right? Your choice is go to a leather bar, assuming there mm-hmm. is a leather bar. There often isn't a leather bar in the United States anymore. Yeah. The apps, what, Recon or mm-hmm. Switched or one of the apps, right? Or you find out that there's going to be a ticketed play party at a respected event, at a respected mm-hmm. venue in the coming weekend. Right. Which do you think is going to be the safer bet for that person if they don't have any friends in that town? Oh, definitely. Compared to like just hookups on an app, def- right. that is definitely right. a more... Or, or even a private play party. Yeah. Compared to a private play party, still yeah. the public play party is the better bet because they have staff. Because they have people whose the only job they have is to watch that make to make sure that everybody's playing safely. They have much stricter rules than they would ever have at a, at a private play party. There are things that you can't do at most public play parties that would probably disappoint and shock you. <laughs> right. Just because, just because they have insurance to deal with, they have legal yeah. and financial liability to think about. Right. So they need to, they need, they take, if anything, they err on the side of, con- of caution because they have to, because if anything goes wrong, if anything goes wrong, right, they're in deep trouble, right? So the worst thing that could happen in a situation like that, I'm not saying that accidents don't happen. Obviously, accidents happen. But for instance, for instance, uh, at, at my parties or at the venues, at the venues that I know about, if you come and you say that you're a rigger, for instance, right? You're a, you mm-hmm. do suspension bondage, right? Well, there's going to be a dungeon monitor or an event coordinator there who's going to grill you on, okay, so show me your top rigging, right? How are you going to get them in the air? So Give, tell me, tell me, tell me how you're going to get them back down out of the air, right? And do you have a backup plan? Right. So- Something that's occur that's becoming very apparent to me is I feel like this is a cultural difference. I get the impression from the way you're talking, US events, ticketed events are much more strictly policed than UK events. Incredibly much. Yeah, because so to go into a bit of my history, my the worst experiences I have had have been at large club events 
where there have been, unfortunately, I've had dealings with people who know was a bit more flexible than it should have been. And, you know, was, was alcohol allowed? Yes. Alcohol is never allowed at events like that. This is the thing. It's Ever so in the UK, it's like mostly a bar with a dark room where the event is, yeah. and it is a themed event. But most of the event money is made from tickets on the door and sale of alcohol at the bar. Right. And from what you're telling me, it's very different. It's a very different thing. It's a very, very different yeah. thing. We have we have clubs like the Hellfire Club. You can't drink at the Hellfire Club, mm-hmm. right? Chicago Hellfire Club, the the place that puts on Inferno every year, right? You that's they have very strict rules. They have dungeon monitors. They have right. It's it's really closely watched. And yeah. like I say, these people have these people have. These people are worried about their insurance. They're worried about legal liability. They're worried about financial liability and they're worried about their reputation, right? Nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be the club where that sub was dropped on their head and their neck got broken, right? Nobody wants to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to be that club. Right. So, so the amount of supervision that doms get, if anything, Mm -hmm. you get complaints from doms about how much supervision there is. Oh yeah, we are, we in in our local scene, the club I help with, um, we've had to make explicit that you can't do bondage at our socials, right? And we had a lot of people quite angry about that, and it's like this brings a lot of responsibility on us that we, as a social club, are not built to handle or withstand. Right, right. Well, I got to tell you the so for most of the most of the. Most of the parties that I'm talking about, the amount of, I mean, I've got, I'm throwing my annual party called Toys comes up in December and it's, there's going to be a hundred guests there. Well, for a hundred guests, we have about 20 volunteers, the minimum required to even get the event off the ground. Right. So the level of the level of volunteering we need. And of course we can get, we can let people in for free if they volunteer. Mm -hmm. Right. You talked about that. That one of the things that made me think about 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 this topic was listening to your talk with Harry Hypnotist about with David about how advantageous it is in the community to volunteer. Well, oh yeah, a great place to volunteer in our community locally, regionally, and actually nationally is at these at these events where you can volunteer to work at the door or you can work volunteer to be a dungeon monitor or at our party you can be a tasting tot. Right. You can, you know, you can be responsible for snacks, right. That Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. But alcohol is never allowed. I mean, in Washington state, the state that I live in, nudity and alcohol are absolutely forbidden. A place will lose its license if there's nudity. And, and so, and so a play party could never happen in a bar situation. There is no back room here. Right. It's a very different vibe. Right. And I don't, I mean, we don't have at my private play parties, we don't technically have dungeon monitors, but what we do have is a core of attendees who mm-hmm. have a lot of experience and everybody's looking out for everybody else. And I promise you that if you got somebody up in the air and they start getting, they start having trouble, right? They have, say they start having 
you know, their hands are completely asleep and you need to get them down right away or they yeah. passed out and you need to get them down right away. You've got three or four people right next to you who will help you get that person down. Right. So there's some safety there. So what, yeah, so obviously, so we do have a cultural difference there and not just mm -hmm. a cultural difference, but a practical difference. But under the circumstances, under the circumstances that I'm, I'm laying out, under mm -hmm. the situation that we have, you can see why I would suggest to a new person, you'd probably be safer to meet your recon date at this play party because yeah. you'll have people watching you play, mm -hmm. right? You've got people supervising the dom, basically, right? You couldn't couldn't be in safer hands in a situation like that. Obviously, obviously, it's hard to mitigate against true incompetence. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, something I say all the time is that, is it so much more often the biggest danger in kink play isn't, isn't sinister people. There aren't that many sinister people in kink world. Yeah. Right. The biggest, the biggest danger in, in kink is incompetence. And there's a lot of that. <laughs> oh yeah. You know? No, I totally agree. Like yeah. there, there's so, a cultural boogeyman of sort of this mush mustache twirling villain that's right. out to violate your consent and it's most of the time it's not malevolence it's people being really fucking stupid and yes. not listening exactly. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 we don't like those people but yeah but they those people can be taught yeah you know those people can be taught anyhow so yeah so i just wanted to i just wanted to put that out there for folks from the U.S. anyhow, and not every not every part of the U.S. has this. In the Pacific Northwest, in San Francisco, in L.A., in New York, in Chicago, in Boston, in Atlanta, in St. Louis, there are there are organizations that do periodic play parties like the ones I'm talking about that are organized that have DMs that have have um there's there's a famous one outside of philadelphia um that that has a large infrastructure of volunteers who are there to make sure that things are safe um and it's a good model it works pretty well it's it can be hard to sustain but i will also say that inferno just had its 52nd inferno and it's entirely volunteer nice. run right so it's been it's oh. been running longer than a lot of people have been alive. So, you know, and my boyfriend just did the t-shirt for it. Oh, it's that's beautiful. nice. Let's see. Uh, let's talk about consent and negotiation. I think that's a great topic to cover. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't have nearly the time to sort of do your due diligence mm -hmm. in a, in a private play party in a private play party, if you're going with friends, ask your friends before you say yes to playing. I just think it's a good idea. If you don't know yeah. a person, ask around a little bit. One thing that I do when I, I'm something of a, um, I'm not a gatekeeper, but I am a gateway. If that makes sense. The distinction yeah. makes sense. I don't try to keep people out. I'm trying to be a doorway to let people in. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, look, there's this cool thing over here. Is sort of my, I'm, and I'm also kind of a kinky so I'm a little bit of a matchmaker. 
But um, one thing that I do for new subs in particular, I will, if I like them well enough to invite them to one of my parties, I will offer an event collar so they can wear the collar. And if somebody hits on them and inevitably somebody will, if somebody hits on them, they can point to the collar and say, so I got to go talk to Daniel because I told him I would talk to him before I. That is very clever. Right. Because it, and for someone starting out, yeah. one of the biggest problems newbies often have is a confidence issue in speaking up for themselves. Right. Giving them that sort of tool is really good. I mean, yeah. like, that is such a good idea. Yeah. It works really well, and it works with friends, too. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a sexual relationship with your friend for you to wear an event collar for them. To yeah. say To say, because the event collar can just say... I have protection here, right? Yeah. I have someone looking out for mm-hmm. me here. It doesn't have to say, yeah, I belong to this, right? It, 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 it can be, it can mean whatever we want it to mean. And I love it to mean that. I love it to mean that. And if it gives, if it gives people a modicum of comfort, then that's brilliant. I've also done a thing, and this is just, this is, this is, I know I said we'd talk about consent negotiation, but, um, in our private play parties at our old dungeon, we used to have a a cage that was built into the wall. So it was mm-hmm. flush against the wall and it was very comfortable and it locked. And one thing that used to happen is if I was, if I was, if I had a new, a, a new sub or even in a couple instances, a new Dom who was feeling socially anxious who's feeling overwhelmed, who is feeling whatever, right? Who is mm-hmm. in their feels. I would lock them into the cage just so that they could watch the party from a safe place. Not that the cage was keeping them out of the party, but that the cage was keeping the party out of them. Nice. Does that make sense? So oh, they'd have an actual thing. safe place, right? Okay. They'd have a safe place that they could retreat to that they, that they were, they could observe they could they could watch right because that's really the most important thing about you did and you talked about this a lot in your episode Mm -hmm. about being new to a community the first thing to do and when i when people ask me about the ticketed play parties i do um, but also the private ones when people ask so what's the deal how do i how do i how do i behave at these things i always say first of all your first couple why don't you plan on not getting not getting to play? Why don't you plan on not playing for the first couple? Watch. Yeah. Right? Get a feel for the culture, right? Get a feel for how the... Because there's going to be more of them, right? At least in our community, there's always mm-hmm. more play parties, right? So there's going to be more of them. So watch this community and watch, see how people interact, see how the doms interact with the subs, see how the, 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 the subs interact with the subs, see where the support mechanisms are, see where the snacks are in the bathrooms and see, you know, get all the, and, and get all of your questions answered. Right. And then come back and you can feel confident that you've, and if you get an opportunity to volunteer, right. Like we always, even at our private play parties, we always had somebody at the door, not to take tickets, but to take coats. 
right? And yeah. just show people this is where the beverages are, this is where the snacks are, this is where this is, this is right. And and so being a volunteer at the door at one of our private play parties gave people the opportunity to meet more people and to break ice and to feel as though, I mean, I think it's always helpful to feel like you've got a job at one of these events, right? Yeah. Even I feel more comfortable when I've got a job at one of these events. It gives you something to do, basically. It does. It gives you something to do, but it also gives you a reason to be there and a way to interact with what's happening, right? That's structured, right? That gives you, and, and you have kind of a script, right? And yeah. that's incredibly helpful, incredibly helpful. But in terms of negotiation, in terms of negotiation, I don't think you take any shortcuts with that. Certainly, if you're going to do bondage with somebody, the bondage top, there's stuff the bondage top has to know, right? Do you have, have you had any recent injuries? Have you had any serious injuries? Do you have any chronic illnesses? I think a really good question is always, so how much experience, previous experience sure. do you have with this? Yeah. How much Just saying, like, you are you a newbie? Yeah. Are you intermediate? What, what? All right. That wouldn't be a bad question for the sub to ask the yeah. dom either. No. You know? Well, this thing, negotiation is two-way. Yeah. Right. Did you sleep last night? Yeah. When was the last time you ate? Right. All the questions that you'd ask, mm -hmm. you know? And then, um, I think I talked about this in our first interview. Um, but I'll talk about it again if I didn't, if I did. And if I didn't, then I'm making up for that. Um, my personal style of negotiation is what I think of as a, as a positive style of negotiation, mm -hmm. meaning I put things on the table. We put things on the table. Say you and I are negotiating play. You and I decide, okay, what's on the table for us? Right. I focus on what we can do rather mm -hmm. than what we can't do. And I do the things I can do and I don't do anything else. Right. If I discover in the, in the, in the process of, of play that we both have this common interest that we didn't realize that for some reason we didn't cover in, in our pre-play conversation, that's going to go on, on the table for the next time because Nobody's sober enough once we've been playing for half an hour, 45 minutes. Nobody's sober enough from body chemistry to be able to renegotiate that, to, re to be able to reopen that can of worms. And if our connection is strong enough, there's going to be a next time. And yeah. there's going to be plenty of time to bring those things up. So before we start playing, mm -hmm. establish what we're going to do and do that. You've only got so much time at a play party situation anyhow, because... In a lot of cases, you might, everybody might want to play with somebody else too, as well as, you know, yeah. this particular pairing, right? Because generally speaking, a play party, a great play party can be more of a, a buffet than a, oh, yeah. than a, yeah. than a fixed I mean, meal. Right? Just to, one of the things I'd like to add to the sort of how to like do a effective negotiation in the time you have. Focus on the whys rather than the whats. Right. For example, if you're discussing a limit, say why it's a limit, not just give a long list of like simple right. things. For example, like if you don't like have ho having hoods on during play, why is that? If it's because it's like you get claustrophobic in hoods, that still leaves open blindfolds. Right. Whereas if it's like you don't like your vision being clouded, 
blindfolds as well would also be off the table. 100%. I will say that if we hadn't negotiated hoods, I wouldn't use a hood. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just an example. Oh, yeah. A, A really great, a really great, another really great example was... I recently had a, my, I have a puppy. I have a, a, I have a couple of puppies now, but I have a relatively new puppy mm-hmm. and he's partnered, uh, married actually. And he's adorable, very, very shy. And our first meeting was over lunch and we talked about lots of things. But one of the things we talked about, one of the things he said was, I don't like to kiss on the first couple play sessions. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, Oh, I really like kissing. I really like kissing. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 but I said, but it's okay. If, and, and, he, and he gave his reasons for, and I'm not going to go into what his reasons were, but he gave his reasons and they were reasonable ones. And I said, so I'm just going to turn this into a scene for me where I'm, you know, if I'm a really, really, really good handler, if I'm a really, mm-hmm. really good hypnotist with you, if I really, if we really, connect then i get this great treat somewhere down the road of being able to make out with you yeah and that'll be a great little present for myself little you know benefit well uh the third session we had we were both he was fractionated as fuck he was (laughs) right he was he's such a good hypnotic subject Mm. that it's delicious and he's beautiful and it was really fun and toward the end of the thing, we were both really high from body chemistry and from play and from hypnosis. He'd been the best puppy ever. Um, and at the end, he was sort of just before he, he was ready to get dressed, we, we sort of stood up and I pushed him to the thing where I pushed him against the wall behind him, right? Mm-hmm. And I hovered in and got really close to him. And I just whispered in his ear, I'd really, really like to kiss you right now. But, you know, and then he just grabbed my head. Right. And he was going to have, he was going to pull my head down to him so that we could kiss because he was ready. And I mm-hmm. was like, actually, you're going to think I'm crazy because I really, really do want to kiss you. And obviously you want to kiss me. Mm-hmm. But we specifically set out. No kissing until we talk about it, right? And right now, we're both high as fuck, and we're not we're not eligible to have that conversation at this point yeah. in our scene, right? Even something as innocuous as kissing. How about we say, let's talk about it when we're both completely sober from this scene? Yeah, I'm, and we'll kiss next time if it works out. And it'll be that much hotter because we waited. Oh, yeah. And I was 100% right. Mm-hmm. I am so glad you brought this up because I think this is something that people need to hear again and again, which is do not renegotiate in the middle of a scene Mm-mm. when you are horny. Right. Even if you are both feeling like you're into it at the time, right. stick to the boundaries put by clearer thinking you. Right. Past you was clearer thinking than you are now. Right. And if like when you're both clearly thinking again after the like the hormones have left the body <laughs> and you still go, wish, I wish we would have done that, then you do it next time. Right. And if the connection is strong enough, there's going to be a next time. Right. Mm-hmm. So 
my point about that, my point in telling that story wasn't to say how great I am. It was actually to say, to say that that's why I don't focus on limits. I talk about limits, but I graze over them. Right. Because my, my big, my big emphasis is what's on the table. Then I ask, okay, and is there stuff that you don't want to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're not going to say, yeah, I don't want to do your dishes. They're not going to think of all of the things, right? Yeah. If you focus on limits, you're never going to get to the end of that list. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any difference how submissive a person is. If they really sit down and start thinking about what they won't be willing to do in a session, it's going to be a long, long goddamn list. Right. Yeah. So, so you're only ever going to get the highlights anyhow. And that's particularly relevant in hypnosis for reasons I think Mm -hmm. we've talked about before. Yeah. Because you don't know what you don't know. Oftentimes the subject doesn't know what's, what's, what's on their trauma list. Often that stuff's hidden. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so find out, yes, get the highlights and on his highlight reel on his highlights of what was stuff he didn't want to have done was he didn't want to kiss. Right. And, and the reason why I like that story is because it is such an innocuous thing. Most people would think, oh, kissing, eh. Except we'd specifically set it, right? We'd specifically set that aside as something we wouldn't do, right? Yeah. Anyhow, so, but you only have time really to talk about what you're going to do. So do that. Mm-hmm. Talk about what you're going to do. And then say, so is there anything you absolutely don't want to do? We're not going to do anything that isn't on our list anyhow, but is there something that you definitely don't want to do. So, I mean, that would be the, the big thing. Also ask around, right? Ask around about the person. Yeah. Reputation counts for a lot. And both sides of the coin here. Yes. No, maybe. Right. So consent. Yes. No, maybe consent. Yes. Is, is, is a consent, but it's, but you still need in, in Kinkland, we still need more conversation than yes, right? Yeah. Do you want to play with me? Yes, I want to play with you. What do you want to do? Okay, well, we got to talk about that now, and then we got to get consent every step of the way there, right? Yeah. I want to, I want to tie up your nuts and beat the crap out of them, right? Well, are they going to say yes to that? Maybe the guy yesterday did, so that was good. <laughs> but no is obviously full stop. No, right? So that's, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Maybe is still no, actually, but Mm -hmm. it's no until we have more conversation about it. Right. I strongly suggest to both subs and doms, to both tops and bottoms, if it's a sex party, if you say maybe, try to avoid saying maybe, but if you do say maybe, put a time on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe, but not at this party. Maybe, but I'm still coming down from the last scene. Give me an hour and ask me again. Right. Be very specific. Don't leave the potential partner up in the air someplace. Right. Where they don't know. Cause if, if they really are motivated to play with you and you don't want to play with them tonight, but you're saying, maybe I'd like to play with you some other, and you're thinking I'd like to play with them at the next party. Right. They're going to come back to you in 20 minutes and say, so what about now? Right. So just, just give it a, give that 
a time frame. What do you mean by maybe, right? Have a little bit of that conversation now, even if you're too tired or too whatever to deal with it. And, and do not use maybe when you mean no. Never use maybe when you mean yeah. no. No is just a data point. Rejection is just a data point, right? Mm -hmm. That person, if you, your no is the kindest thing you can give them, right? If you don't want to play with them, if you don't want to play with them and you do play with them, it's going to be a crappy scene. If you don't want to play with them and you're not going to play with them, but you say maybe, then you're just leaving this sort of door open that's hopeless, right? And that's, yeah, that's not a kind thing to do. So go ahead and do the rejection. Don't be afraid of the rejection. Okay. Play party etiquette. We've got a few minutes, right? <laughs> Yep. I, did you want to talk about anything else about consent? Nothing more about consent. We've, I think we've covered most of what we need to cover with that. We've so. run that rag pretty, pretty dry. Yeah. So, so play party etiquette. What's the most important thing? The most important thing is if a scene is ongoing, you mm -hmm. are not going to be part of that scene unless one of the participants, the Dom in that set, in that scene literally waves you in. And says, yeah. come over here, your name, come over here. Right. That's the only way that happens. You're not, don't stand there waving to try to get their attention. Right. Uh, don't this, stand, yeah. don't stand any closer than six or eight feet. Right. Yeah. To the scene further than that, if it's a single tail scene, right. Or a, a big flogging scene with a lot of motion or a, a big suspension scene with a lot of dynamic, whatever, right. Spinning. And stuff. I, I have seen so many people who try and what would best be described as edging their way into a scene, especially like right. if someone's playing in a sling, they get an audience, but the guys get closer and like try and reach out. And it's like, this isn't a scene you was actively invited to. Just right. stay, stay an observer. Right. I have to say that I have to say one of the reasons why I won't play in a bar, one of the reasons why I won't ever play in a bar, mm -hmm. except so we have a bar that we have. I have a couple places mm -hmm. that I do this, but in particular, I have one bar in Seattle that we do. I actually have kind of since we moved from Seattle, I've, I've backed off and other people have taken it over. But we do suspension. Mm -hmm rides shows right for we bring our own subs and we we string people up into the air and and show them off and spin them around and push them up and it's really fun right but it's in a bar and we have to have we have stanchions around us and even still we have to have security people standing there to keep the drunks off of the off of the subs right so yeah. one of the reasons why i won't i would never even if it was legal for me to allow alcohol at a, in a play party situation even if that was legal i wouldn't allow it is because it lowers inhibitions of the watchers they are they are without question the biggest liability in that in that setting right so yeah. so watchers are welcome in a play party setting but they absolutely need to be inhibited. They need to be no closer than six feet, usually eight feet away from the session. Do not try to get the attention of the people who are playing. You and I know that if we play in public, we don't see, we don't see the public. If we're having a good scene, we're, I mean, we're in state, 
to use hypnosis yeah. language, we, I don't see you guys, right? I don't see yeah. you guys at all. I see my partner. I see my hands, right? I see the, the, whatever furniture we may be on and that's about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe my gear, right? That's all I'm going to see if I'm playing in public. Right. And so don't even try. But if you do try in a ticketed setting, if you do try, the DM is going to pull you off and tell you to stop it. Right. But nobody likes that guy. Uh, another bit of dungeon etiquette, another bit of public dungeon etiquette or even private dungeon etiquette is don't be the guy who hogs equipment all night. Don't be the don't guy. Don't be a sling who uses, lizard. Yeah. Don't be a sling lizard. Don't be, don't be the guy who, who, who takes over the St. Andrew's cross and spends, you know, the entire party on one sub, right? Because other people want that, right? This isn't, this isn't your house, right? This mm -hmm. is a public play party. And in order for it to work, we all, all have to have access to all of the things, right? And, and that's super important. Um, and the number of times I've seen, and I've had to intervene as a dungeon monitor, I've seen uh, doms, you know, doms can get pretty domly sometimes and they can get into pissing matches with each other. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and that can be incredibly disruptive and it can ruin everybody's fun. Just, just go in knowing, okay, there's a public space. I've got an hour on the St. Andrew's cross at the most, right? It's a public space. I've got half an hour, 45 minutes with this hard point right? Or an hour on this spanking bench, right? Yeah. Or an hour on this table, right? And then, and then take a break, back off, right? There's going to be more time for you to play later, maybe someplace else, maybe with someone else, right? Just chill a little bit, right? That's, that's the dungeon etiquette in a, in a nutshell is, is, is don't be an energy vampire. Don't be a scene vampire. In other words, don't hover close to a scene and right. Don't try to touch it. Don't try to right do the things. Don't ask questions. Right. I have a skill. I have Skillshare groups where it's perfectly okay if you see somebody who's doing a suspension scene or any kind of bondage. Right. The skill at a Skillshare in a Skillshare setting, it's perfectly okay for newbies to walk up to that to the dom or to the sub and ask questions. They expect that. That's what the Skillshare situation is about, yeah. right? It's about everybody learning, right? But at a play party situation, it's not about that, right? New people don't get to ask questions in the middle of the scene, right? New people don't get to ask questions. I mean, and the scene starts with negotiation, right? So once the two people are sitting down and talking about what they're going to do, there should be like an invisible wall around them that nobody violates, right? And then once they start playing, everybody should start visualizing that wall being much more solid. Mm -hmm. And once the scene is over and we're doing aftercare, in some ways the, the wall needs to be even more inviolate, right? It needs to be absolutely solid. Aftercare yeah. is it, pr probably, aftercare is gonna look different for everybody, right? maybe they want to get right back out into the party and that would make them feel good. Right. But most of the time aftercare looks like let's just, yeah. Right. And some water and some talk and some, let's just, mm -hmm. right. 
and there's no room for there's no room for there's no room for the voyeurs to be you know stomping into that with their very yeah. booted feet right you can ask your question after the thing is over you can ask would you like to do that to me after their play is over right yeah. that's the most common question right obviously it's because these right another bit of etiquette is remember and or just expectation management remember that mm -hmm. in a play party situation as in life as at clubs as at meetups right in a play party situation the dom sub ratio is going to be preposterous right there's going to be one qualified sub or one qualified dom for how many subs take a guess craig <laughs> what do you think like four or five subs to a, a qualified dom yeah pretty much right yeah that doesn't change in a play party setting mm -hmm. sorry it makes a lot of sense to learn how to switch right if you're going to mm -hmm. go to play parties because otherwise you're going to be propping up the wall and nobody wants to do that right? yeah so so manage your expectations going in mm -hmm. right yeah oh there is one more bit of etiquette i think I can never say etiquette properly. You're saying it fine. One thing to cover, which is clean up after yourself. Ugh. Scenes, as we know, can get yeah. messy. Most play parties or dungeon spaces provide like tissues and wipe down cleaner. Just like clean your station after you've used right. it. Right. A lot of a lot of the public spaces have like they have sheets that you can drape over the St. Mm -hmm. Andrews crosses and the spanking benches and the massage tables or whatever, the bondage tables, and use those. Most, most public venues have some rule about having a barrier between your naked ass and whatever you're going to sit on. Yeah. Most places do. So observe that, those rules. It's a good idea. I mean, another piece of etiquette, I guess, the most obvious piece of etiquette is... At a ticketed event, almost always there's going to be somewhere a public posting of the rules for that event. Yeah. Right. And they're probably going to be numerous. Right. There's probably going to be something about no breath play. I love breath play. Mm -hmm. It makes me so sad, but no breath play. There's going to be special provisions made for people who do cutting and piercing play. If there's blood going to be around, right? Mm -hmm. There's going to be special provision made for people who do single tail, right? Because they need so much space and space is at a premium at a play party. So yeah, make sure to familiarize yourself with your rules. If there are no written rules, if it's a private play party, ask the host. Mm -hmm. The host has an idea of what they expect. And if they just sort of wave vaguely around the room and say, well, do what you feel like from a host. No, right. no. Just do what you feel like doing. I think I think the right answer is the right answer is whatever. Yeah, I I have a pretty strong list of things myself. That, um, yeah, because if you are intending to host one of these things, like even if people do clean up of, after themselves as they go, which not everyone does at any party. No. No. you're still going to have to have a massive clean-up and scrub-down job afterwards. Yes, yes. I mean, solo cups everywhere. Mm -hmm. Paper towels everywhere, right? We have 
garbage bins all over our house, mm -hmm. right? But there are still solo cups and paper towels everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's still linen, spooge towels everywhere, right? Yeah. And lube smeared on furniture, on doorknobs, mm -hmm. on you know. I mean, it's 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 everywhere, right? And 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 as a host, that's just something that you gotta accept with a certain amount of grace. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's, it's built into throwing yeah, a play party. It is. It is. And honestly, you've got enough subs of these things. You probably can have some people helping you with some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we have, we, we use, I have stacks and stacks of spooge towels. And so our laundry gets pretty intense and we have to do, um, at our two night, um, two night long play parties, we have to do laundry several times during the course of the party. Right. And somebody has to be there to put food out throughout the course of the party. Right. Somebody has to do it. I know for sure I'm not going to work the whole party. I'm going to hosts and producers and people who put on parties, mm -hmm. organizers, community organizers. If you're not getting laid, don't do it. That's some free advice from your uncle Daniel. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't cause the, you know, this, you're a community organizer burnout in the kink community, in any community, oh, yeah. any volunteer community, burnout is a serious thing and it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen. So yeah, change it up. Oh yeah, definitely. It, when and you're in a community organizing role, there's a thing where like you get into the headspace of you have to be the one to do it. Otherwise no one else will. Right. And it's sort of, you have to let go of that. If it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. But most of the time, there will be someone else to step in for you at that point. Right, right. And honestly, I'm here to tell you, if you want to start hosting parties, if you want to start having, if you can find a venue to have a, a ticketed mm -hmm. party at, right, do that. That'd be super fun. I think that would be, that'd be awesome. But don't expect that that's going to be your life for the net, for the rest of your life. At some point you're either going to pass it off and it's going to change or it's going to fall apart. And that isn't the end of the world. Right. Yeah. When you leave, when you leave something like that, when we stopped doing cock circus after three years, right. Mm -hmm. We knew that something else would rise, rise from the ashes to, to take its place. And it did. Right. Just take a deep breath. People will, people will fill in the gaps as, as they, as they perceive the need. Right. It's going to be okay. And, and it's important that community organizers not be quite so or ego driven, right? It's not about us. It's about, it's about this larger picture, right? Exactly. And the larger picture is ultimately going to take care of itself. It's going to be fine. It's yeah. going to be fine. Just like that, just like that person I played with yesterday. <laughs> Those are some pretty nuts. I got to tell you. And it was at a public play party. Nice. First time we played together. And we did we did a hypnotic mantra. I love Sounds like a good parties. play session. It was. It was really good. We'd never met before. I had one hour before my shift. Right? Mm -hmm. And we managed to get in a really great, great scene. I'm really nice. proud of. So. so we are coming up to time. Yeah. 
So is there anything else you want to mention before we go? No, not really. I, I, I think that we, t- we covered everything pretty well. Yeah. <clears throat> Get out and play. Mm-hmm. If you're not playing, you're not doing it right. Yeah, exactly. There's only, there's only one wrong way to do kink, and that's not to do it. That's the wrong way to do kink is to not do it. Yeah, and hopefully people have listened to this and maybe considered a new venue. Like a lot of people around us only go to the big club events. Right. So if like the nightclubs, if, you know, this is, if you've not thought of it, this is a new way to go about things. Right, right, right. You know, it honestly never occurred to me that there weren't any non-bar public play event play venues i won't say there's none but the main access especially around like the like gay leather scene Mm -hmm. tends to be like club night orientated to club nights with dark rooms wow bars with dark rooms yeah that's not our way (laughs) but no this has been fascinating for me because this is an access to a culture i've not really had much like to do with Right. So thank you. This has been a great yeah, episode. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Okay. It was really fun. I always like talking to you. So, Oh, you're always a great guest. Where can people find you if they want to like mm. talk to you more? You know, I, I think I, I often just say visiblerestraint.com. And mm-hmm. of course you can find me every, you can find me there. Also people know how Linktree works. If you search for visible restraint and Linktree. All of my events are there too. And I oh, nice. Massive I can put that in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. So that's it. That's, that's how you find me. Brilliant. Or in my playroom. You should come over and we'll play. <laughs> oh, I'd love there. to find you in the playroom. <laughs> so yeah, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this and always play safe.